Welcome to a Healing Peace podcast. We strive to create a place where women can come together to talk, grow, be refreshed, and renewed as we navigate life's hurdles. Inside this podcast series, we discuss shaping our identity, where we provide tools for conquering life's waves. Let's dive in. Still with us? Ladies, I'm excited about our forthcoming episodes on the topic of peace. Let's dive in. Have you ever had an experience where you wanted to be picked for participation? How about school sports? I don't know if you had to do that, but I remember when I was younger, during recess time, during gym time, there was this infamous game called dodgeball. It would start out with two captains going back and forth, picking people on their teams. We stood around and we all hoped that we were not the last ones to be picked. For those picked first or second, there was a feeling of pride and achievement for being known as a good player. On the other hand, for those picked last, you dragged yourself to the team, usually with your head down, feeling defeated before the game even started. Not only that, probably felt a little alienated, strange, not good enough. Well, I have a similar memory. During gym time, I did not get picked as a dance partner. I was so embarrassed. And you know what? Now that I think about it, why in the world did they have us try to learn square dance? Anyways, for you, it may not be a school sport. It may be a job that you long for or being picked for a work project or not being asked to join a group of friends for a weekend retreat or to the movies. We've all experienced some form of not being picked. Let's go back to the story. For those who are competitive, yes, I am raising my hand, you may not take being the last one picked very well. What do you do? You start practicing. You learn how to run fast, you become more agile, you work on your dodge moves. You do whatever it takes so you will not be picked last. You do all this work, and then one day, on the day of dodgeball, you prep yourself to show off your new skills so that you no longer are picked last. But as you wait in anticipation, someone new walks up and is picked before you. Not only is the person picked before you, but she ends up being on the winning team. Can I say devastation? You did all this work and someone else reaps the benefits. Did she truly deserve to be picked before you? During the game, you resent her. Every time you receive the ball, she take a shot at it. You don't want her there. She doesn't deserve it. Now, ladies, as you're listening to this story, you're probably like, what in the world? There you go again on your tangents. You're probably thinking, what does this have to do about peace? Being picked for a team 
What in the world? Well, let's pick up in Ephesians 2, 12 through 19. Ephesians 2, 12 through 19 reveals the difference between the Israelites, Jewish people, and the Gentiles. The Israelites were God's chosen people. However, the Gentiles, they were not initially picked by God and did not possess God's promises. In fact, I could probably sing Father Abraham to you guys. I don't know if y'all heard that song. I'm about, nah, I'm not going to do that to you. <laughs> My gift is not sinking, so I'll, I'll scale back. Anyways, those who were not Jewish had no hope. They were strangers to God's promise. It's similar to the person playing the sport who didn't get picked for the team. The person felt defeated, hopeless. So what does the person try to do? They practice and they try to earn her place, their place, his place on the team. Despite his or her efforts, the person is still not picked. Instead, this new person who comes out of nowhere is picked and ends up being on the winning team. This new person represents the Gentiles. And you know what? Represents us too, because most of us are not Jewish. We're not Jewish, right? But anyways, here's this person who walks up and through the blood of Christ gets picked. I probably didn't say that too clearly. This new person who comes up out of nowhere represents the Gentiles, who most likely didn't have any reason to be on this new team. And they walk up and they're able to receive the promises of God. And they're able to receive it through the blood of Christ. And that's us. We come out of nowhere, the Jews, They've been going by these commands, 400 plus laws, doing all this work. And here are the Gentiles. We just come up, walk on a team, and through the blood of Christ, we get picked. And no one knows where we came from. No one saw our abilities to be the best player. And in fact, if you think about a person who is an athlete, they usually go under strict training. They watch their diet. They stay away from junk food. I remember running track. I ate a lot of spaghetti. Pasta was supposed to allow you to have them carbohydrates so you can burn and be able to keep going. They exercise regularly. They practice. They take care of their bodies. They rest. They remain hydrated. This is a person who's under strict training because they are trying to win. But the person who walks up on the team, they do the complete opposite. They're nowhere near being strict and restraining. They're doing whatever they want. In fact, the Bible categorizes those who do the complete opposite as individuals who live in the lust of their flesh. When we live like this, we are far off. 
We walk according to the flesh. But in Christ, this is the catch, but in Christ, he shines his light on our dark path. In his light, we're now able to reap all the benefits. Us, foreigners, getting the prize. Not only that, but we are on a team that wins and we get to thrive on that team. We get to go around with our chest puffed up and have a little bragging rights. We get to tell people at the recess, hi, we slaughtered them. Did you see that score? Look what we did. And you know what else? Even before the game starts, we get to walk on the court confidently. And that's the same as being chosen in Christ. Because of his blood, we can draw near to God confidently. We get to brag on who we are in Christ. We get to brag because now we receive God's promises. We are brought to him and thereby reconciled to him. Now, this is the part that you've been waiting for because in verse 14, see, I know all this pretense, all this pretense, Paul continues by letting us know that Christ is our peace. How exciting is that? In fact, in the Old Testament, Christ is referred to as a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, eternal father, and prince of peace. Wonderful means distinguished, admirable. Counselor means to consult or provide, care for, to protect. Therefore, Jesus' care and provision for us is distinguished. It's set apart. No one can compare to who he is as our caregiver. But the name calling continues. Jesus is a mighty God. In this context, it means that he is our mighty hero. He saves the day, which is so true, as he is the provider of salvation. Then the scripture reads, eternal father, which means forever nourishing to the people. It concludes with prince of peace, which means ruler or leader of establishing peace or friendship with God in relation to his covenant. This statement brings it full circle. We have bragging rights because Christ establishes peace for us by reconciling us to God. So the girl who just walked on the team can rejoice because she is part of a group that wins, that possesses favor. Verses 14 through 16 continues by revealing that Christ also removed the division between the Israelites and the Gentiles. Through him, we become one people. Think about it. We have two people, one who walked on the team for the sake of the story, and the one who really worked hard and wants to be picked first. 
The person who was not picked becomes hostile and throws the ball, trying to get the other person out. She is furious and doing everything in her power to let the other girl know that she does not belong and is not welcome. However, in Christ, we become one team, no longer separated by qualifications and abilities. These qualifications and abilities represent the Old Testament and the laws that the Israelites had to keep. Jesus removes the stipulation and by doing so, joins separate people to create peace. All right, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking, okay, it may be difficult to relate to Jewish-Gentile dynamics, right? Think about Jewish-Gentile, okay, okay, whatever. That's old stuff. That's old Bible, right? But how about this? I'm reminded of marriage where two are joined into one. In marriage, two people may come from different backgrounds, culture, life experiences. It's kind of funny because as I say this, I'm thinking about Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> they were, they families was fighting each other. But the little two kids that came together, they loved each other. Ended up dying, but still, they came together, right? And when you get married, you love each other, you decide to be committed to one another, and you decide to have a partner to live through life's challenges. You're like, okay, that's the benefit. I got married. Okay, what about those people who ain't married? That is me. Well, another way of thinking about it is maybe coming together for a common cause, setting aside race and economic status to join forces for the common good. When this happens, there's no longer division. For instance, I'm reminded of the American people when we come together doing a national crisis, like hurricanes, floods, fires, searching for missing children. In those moments of dis disasters, we come together for a common good. But, and I say, but, there are still many areas in our society where we are plagued by division and perceptions of one another. I've heard many stories where women have stated, yeah, I'm not gonna talk to her because she's from a different background. She always seemed like she got an attitude. I'm afraid to approach her. Or, I'm not talking to her. She can't relate to me. Her life has been too easy. She doesn't know about struggle. All she has is a silver spoon. Or, I'm not gonna be friends with her. She is not educated and I do not know what she is saying. She is not smart enough. She can't handle my level of conversation. Yes, I've heard it all. By making these statements, I'm aware that in most cases, we are just plagued by our perception. For instance, one Sunday service, I was extremely cold. I live in a high place, they get confused, they blast the AC, so we freezing. Indoor, we freezing, outdoor, we on fire. Shame. But this Sunday service, I was so cold, I had on short sleeve, got little goosebumps, so I decided to sit closer to the person next to me. I figured, let me rub up against her. I might give me a little body heat. When I did that, the woman started to move forward. And I thought, well, that's odd. I know she's a touchy feeling person, so she shouldn't mind my contact. I think, what, did I smell or something? Like, what's going on? 
I was a bit baffled. And for a second, I was like, okay, maybe it's a race thing. But then I was like, no, 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 let's, let's cut that up. You know, that default thought. And like sometime later, I saw her move over a little bit more. So I was, I was offended. I was like, okay, well, if you're going to do that, well, I'm going to move. So I literally, I did. I took my little chair, I slid over a little bit, and I was like, okay, we're separated. And I kept thinking, like, man, like, what in the world? So I tried to, you know, stay focused on the lesson. I'm, about, I'm supposed to be there for church, not because this person won't sit next to me. But anyways, after service, I was like, at first I didn't want to say anything because I was mad. I'm like, mm, don't bring it up. And then it just blurred out. Sometimes you can't help yourself, so it blurred out. I said, man, I was trying to sit next to you so I can get some body heat. And then she looked at me and she was like, oh, I kept moving because I thought I was bumping you and in your way. So I didn't want you to think that I was all in your space. And after she said that, I sighed. And I was like, oh, this whole time. And you know, I'm thinking. And then she heard me and she responded with, all you had to do was just ask. You asked, that was it. <laughs> you could have got some of the body heat. And I share that with you guys because we both had two different perceptions. And if I played into it and I decided not to talk to her about it, then most likely I would have got a little bit more distant. I wouldn't have talked to her, you know, throughout service or the next time we came back, I would have made sure I sat with somebody else. And, you know, all these things can happen just from this perception and the unwillingness to talk through it. Why am I saying this? Because too often we do the same thing. We perceive certain, certain things which later causes division amongst us. But you know what? The problem with this situation is that it undermines the sacrifice of Christ. In his death, he not only reconciles us to God, but he creates a new people, that being Christians who come together cleansed by his blood. Now, I'm not at all suggesting that this podcast will resolve all our problems when it comes to culture, experiences, racial intolerance, and the list goes on. However, I want to bring to our attention that Christ's death fosters peace, which also includes peace in our relationships. Therefore, Will you allow his peace to transcend your perceptions of others? Let's recap. The Bible refers to Jesus as the Prince of Peace. In Christ, he provides salvation, which brings peace to the whole man. In his salvation, we are reconciled to God through Jesus' blood, the death on the cross. In his death, Jesus establishes peace by creating one new man, his believers, his followers, fellow Christians. I will close with Isaiah 57, 19, which states, creating the praise of the lips, peace, peace to him who is far and to him who is near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. 
What does this scripture mean about creating praise? The verse before it, 18, sheds some light. The passage indicates that God will heal us and restore comfort. By doing so, it creates praise on our lips. Then the passage continues with peace, peace to those who are far and those who are near. Those who are far, not following his ways, to those who are near, God is now at peace with them. The passage ends with the promise that God will heal all who come to him. God always keeps his promises. But will you no longer live and walk of this world? Instead, choose the peace that God provides through his son. Ladies, join me for our next podcast where we talk about having peace in our lives despite the chaos and trials thrown at us. <laughs>